Hello and welcome to Succeed Through Speaking, the place for experts and entrepreneurs who want high-value ideas to boost business results. Hello, I'm Tom Bailey and in today's Speaker Stories episode, I'll be getting to know Jim Carroll, who is a keynote speaker, author of 39 books and over a 25-year time span has built a reputation as the world's leading global futurist, trends and innovations expert. So Jim, hello and a very warm welcome to today's episode. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. And just out of interest, whereabouts in the world are you right now? Uh, so I'm located in a little community um, outside of uh, Toronto, Canada called Guelph. Um, the interesting thing is a big, you know, great big world out there. So when you hit my website, uh, the first number you get is Dallas. The second number you get is New York. The third yeah. is Hong Kong. The fourth is London. <laughs> and the fifth is uh, my Toronto number. Uh, you know, and that sort of plays into what I do from an international perspective. Absolutely. Thanks for sharing that. And I know from reading your bio and, and your website, you featured over 3000 interviews. Now you've spoken to over 2 million people from stage. So clearly, I want to know where you find the time. But most importantly, I really want to learn about your relationship with public speaking. And I'm going to start by asking, was public speaking something you were always just born a natural talent? Or was it something you had to really develop over time? Um that's a complicated question. Like anything I've, I've been at this for 30 years out on yeah. stage. So, I mean, I've been at it for a long time, uh, but you know, there's kind of a fun story. I tell on my uh, uh, website years ago. I mean, when I was like eight, nine years old, I was in something called the optimist club mm -hmm. uh, and it was a public speaking um, course and competition. And I remember I went to the provincial championships and I lost uh, to this whiny kid who had a really whiny voice and it really bugged yeah. me. I think it traumatized me for life, but no, I just <laughs> completely fell into this by, mm. by complete accident. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess thinking back to that, that competition when, when you were young, did you have any fears around public speaking or again, were you, were you quite confident at that age? No, I think I was pretty confident. I mean, the thing with me is I, I um, in Canada, we had something with kids. We, we accelerated. So yeah. halfway through grade two, they pushed me out of grade two and they put me into grade four. So I was always a year and a half, two years younger than all the other kids. So I think I had to, I had to work extra hard, um, you know, in terms of my confidence and my ability to stand up for myself. And, you know, maybe that bled into my personality. Yeah. So, I mean, when I got, you know, on stage in front of groups way back in the early days, you know, 92, 93, it wasn't easy, but it, it wasn't something that was terrifying. Okay, fantastic. So a lot of the audience um, that listen to the podcast are what I'd call aspiring speakers. So some of them have a fear of public speaking, but they're just really drawn to it for whatever reason. Others, they're naturally confident, but they just don't really know how to cross that hurdle and become a public speaker. So I guess, have you got any advice for both categories? Aspiring speaker who's pretty scared of it and aspiring speaker who doesn't really know where to start to become a keynote speaker? Play the clubs. Uh, you know, this is this is like a, a, a rock and roll career. You, you, you know, I mean, in my case, you started out with the small clubs, small audiences. I mean, you know, I remember I had an event, I had 10 people in the room and it was, mm. you know, set for 100. Um, you know, it's sort of playing the clubs. You're getting out there, you're honing your craft. The more of it you do, the better you get. Uh, you know, I ski and it's just like skiing. I mean, you got to put in a lot of mileage. Uh, you got to do a lot of twists and turns to to, you know, get your technique down. I mean, that's really the only advice mm. I can give. Um, it's not something that is magic. It's not a career that is particularly today easy to step into. I mean, if I get one question from um, people, it's, well, I want to become a speaker. How do you do that? And my first bit of advice is, well, it's a crowded market mm. uh, right now. Everybody wants to be a speaker. 
Uh, and so I think, you know, I think not only do you need to get out there and play the clubs, but I think you need to keep your expectations in check. Yeah, yeah, completely understand that. Now, one thing a lot of the speakers tell me is to, you kind of alluded to this, but but choose your niche, choose your niche, choose your lane, choose your expertise, because because it's such a crowded market, you really do need to find that that lane, I guess. But with you, I've noticed that you spoke in insurance, in agriculture, in retail, in technology, you know, how have you managed to speak in so many different audiences and industries? Well, but I, I, I do have a niche. I mean, I'm represented by most of the major uh, global speakers bureaus in Washington, speakers, leading authorities, APB, um, Big Speak, Harry Walker. And, you know, if you talk to some of the agents there, there's sort of the mindset that if, you, if you're hit um, by a client with a really unique topic-oriented uh, trends or innovation uh, theme mm-hmm. um, that is really, really unique. Call Jim Carroll. He's yeah. the guy. My niche, my niche is Got it. highly specialized stuff that somehow has a trends or innovation and um, hook to it. And and that's because of the research I do. I mean, I'm mm. at this point, I'm down to only 20 or 30 keynotes a year. Um, yeah. I don't take on a lot of volume. And I mean, I delight in taking on very specialized Topic. So, I mean, last week I was in Zurich, uh, outside of Zurich, Switzerland, and the fo- focus was the future of risk mm-hmm. uh, for corporate organizations going forward. What what unique risk issues might we we hit? So, there's a lot of formula f- sort of focused speakers out there. They've they've got a shtick, they've got a story, and they'll tell the same story to every yeah. audience, regardless of who the industry is. I mean, you know, I mean, I go into a room full of farmers and talk about the future of genomic farming in the era of microclimate meteorology i mean if mm-hmm. that's what the client wants so that's where i can take them and and i guess for you you don't necessarily need to know that information before the client comes to you you can you can do the research like you said to to find out and uh, and and put your lens on it through innovation well but i i i do a bit well i mean when you've been at this for 30 yeah. years yeah. <laughs> you've got a tremendous amount of experience under your belt so i mean yeah. i've actually spoken about meteorology and microclimates you know in in uh, you know, farming for a number of groups, yeah. but yeah, I mean, there is a fair bit of research. Um, I'll often get a call from a bureau, um, you know, before that sort of introductory call with the client, can you talk about this thing? Mm-hmm. I'll dive into the research tools that, that I use, educate myself so I can have a fairly high level, intelligent exploratory call with the, yeah. with the potential client, uh, you and know, as a... they figure out their options. Excellent. Well, thanks for that. And one thing that I like to always ask as well is, and, and you mentioned working the clubs, getting out there and really honing your skill in those in those clubs um there's a transition point then to go from free speaker practicing getting out there to paid speaker have you got any advice around that in terms of asking for a payment to speak for the first time uh, i i didn't have the traditional path mm-hmm. that path into this industry i didn't decide i want to be a speaker and did it for free and then you know transition to paid i mean my story was um i wrote 34 books about the internet in in canada yeah. Uh, in the 90s. And so when the internet exploded on the scene, I'd already been online for 20 years. And so yeah. I was um, asked to come into organizations, can you describe to us what this means from a business perspective? Right. So that got me onto the speaking path. Um, and I remember the first time a speakers bureau called me and said, you know, we're going to pay you, I think the fee was, you know, $3,500. And I mm-hmm. told my wife, you know, look, I'm going to get money for this. And she yeah. said, this will never this will never last. And we still have a good laugh about that. So yeah. I, I sort of went from the, the perspective of falling into the industry by accident and then figuring it out as I went, mm. um, <laughs> you know, over the last 30 years, uh, steadily increasing the fee. Um, 
it's it's you know I, I I look at folks who are trying to break into the industry today, and I think it is a bit of a challenge um, to try to make that leap into going from free into paid. Uh, and I think that's why playing the clubs is is critical because yeah. you certainly can get gigs at a lower fee mm-hmm. by playing the clubs to hone your craft, develop the experience, get some you know good stuff in your resume, get some client comments, and build up all that collateral that you need to truly succeed in this industry. Yeah, completely understand. For those people that couldn't see the video, for those podcast guests, you won't, but I can see you've got a really nice virtual studio there. Was that something you had to build because of the pandemic and the whole speaking industry? And yeah, here's, here's my uh, here's my uh, spaceship. So Fantastic. I mean, you know, my, my whole theory of uh, what happened mm-hmm. when, when COVID came about, okay. I mean, I realized I was going to be stuck in my basement. Uh, you know, here's where I yeah. have shorts. And, um, I was going to be stuck in my basement for quite some time. And you know, what I realized was a lot of um, folks were doing the standard sort of uh, headshot um, type of video. And I mean, mm-hmm. I saw a lot of people, you know, droning onto a PowerPoint and I decided I was going to, you know, do something a little bit um, more significant. So, I mean, I, I, you know, have this massive green screen studio, yeah. with a whole bunch of lights and a whole bunch of gear and seven cameras. And I mean, I can, if you, if you give me a moment here, I can go back on my stage mm-hmm. uh, shorts and all and show you what I can do <laughs> and I can actually walk around. Give me one sec. Fantastic. And, and I guess for those people um, that are listening to the podcast, what we can see is a green screen room, seven cameras, lots of lighting, fantastic experience that, that Jim can put on for his audiences. You know, my whole theory was that a lot of speakers in, the, in their transition to virtual, um, they were like deer in a, you know, deer staring at headlights. I mean, they, yeah. they, they didn't know how to deliver. So I invested a lot of time in this. You know, I, I'm going back to in-person events now. Mm-hmm. I still think there's something significant here. I'm still yeah. trying to figure out how to leverage it. I mean, people hated virtual, even if we could do virtual, you know, cool stuff like this. Um, so for me, this is becoming a content generation machine. So Makes sense. for example, when I went to Switzerland a week ago, uh, you know, a month prior to that, I hit the studio here and, you know, little two minute uh, teaser clip, uh, you know, to interest them. I mean, I'm, I joined TikTok. I'm mm-hmm. old, but I joined TikTok two weeks ago and I come in here, I film little, you know, TikTok reels that are a minute long. Uh, you know, it's a content generation machine. And yeah. I, I think there's a lot of potential where I can continue to go with this. I mean, you know, who else has a spaceship in their, uh, in their basement with, uh, <laughs> you know, that. planets flying? Yeah, I love that. Fantastic. And and I guess, like you said, it's just figuring out how to leverage that now because what it means is that you don't have to travel. The audience doesn't have to travel. People can join you from their homes. You can stay at home. There's lots of benefits from, from doing these virtual experiences, but people do miss the in-person, you know, face-to-face yes. experience, don't they? Um, so it's just trying to figure out how we can make the make the most of this hybrid world, I guess, going forward. Yeah, people really started to zone out in virtual. I I, I learned quickly that um, the only way to make virtual work, and I did a lot of virtual events. I mean, they're all on my site. Um, you can find them at virtual.jimcarroll.com. I had to to borrow from Pink Floyd. I had to pip, hit, hit people with short, sharp shocks of insight. So yeah. I would talk for five to seven minutes, and then I'd come back here into the mic and do Q&A and a lot of text message polling, live text mm. message polling. Yeah. Uh, because people need to interact. I mean, they're staring at a screen and they got their two-year-old screaming next to them. We we got to do something different to keep them engaged in in virtual. I don't know where virtual is going to go. I don't think it's dead. I think people get sick of it. I think there's a lot of innovative, disruptive things we can still do and explore. Yep, love that. And thank you so much for sharing that. And I've got one final question for you today, which is if anybody wants to book you as a speaker or find out more about you, where's the best place for them to go? Well, I mean, uh, the, the the top 40 bureaus in the world, they all book me. I mean, you know, they book me at one time or another. So if you if you poke around, you'll notice 
Uh, I'm listed on all of their sites. Uh, I get a lot of organic hits as well. I mean, you know, people mm -hmm. finding me on Google, a lot of direct stuff. So a big, massive, sprawling website um, with, with you know, all kinds of video from a uh, tremendous number of presentations over the years. JimCarroll.com uh, is the main entry point to the site. Great. And what I'll do as well is I'll put a link to that in the show notes. So people can just click on that and they can find out more about you. Well, Jim, just want to just say thank you so much again for sharing all of your knowledge, insights and, and great expertise with myself and our audience. Okay, thank you. Thank you for having me in.